0: Live from Lane County, Oregon. It's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Mosenich, and now here's Jay. Hey,
1: good afternoon, and it's another beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest. We're finally breaking what they call a heat wave out here, which, you know, coming out of the East Coast, I would have thought it was a really nice spring day. Um, Whereas the temperatures have been in the 90s with 30% humidity at the same time, it only is going to get into the 80s today. And, uh, you know, everybody's breathing a sigh of relief that we're finally not in the 90s. And, and, you know, folks from Texas and and, uh, Georgia and, even Maryland, where I'm from, are, are kind of laughing at, at the idea of 95 degrees with 30% humidity being hot. But, yes, we do get acclimated here in the Pacific Northwest. This is the Bo's Nose Show. And we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. And I'm your host, Jay Bozovich, West Lane County Commissioner. And we're here to have a conversation with you to talk about whatever you want to talk about. You know, from local politics all the way up through national. To you know, we can talk about my poodles. You name it. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about if you call us here at the Bo's Nose Show at six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven, and just press one, and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation. So um, that's all you need to do to get in to the Bo's Nose shows, just call that number again, 646-721-9887, and press 1, so we know you want to get in on the conversation, not just listen to the show over your phone. So, I, I let folks know on Facebook some of the topics we might be talking about today, and I want to warn folks, we, we might get kind of down today, because we're going to talk about a report that the board of commissioners received from our health and human services department and our suicide prevention um, specialist on suicide in Lane County. And they had statistics that ran from the year 2000 through 2016 on all the uh, suicide deaths and and what the demographics were and some of the take, um, some of the, the, you know, information that you could glean from that. And comparing Lane County to Oregon and Oregon to national standards and all that, and there's some pretty interesting things. You know, one is that you know Lane County averages about 80 suicides a year, which is almost twice the national average um, for the population, which isn't one of our highest causes of death in Lane County. You know, if, you, if you're strictly going to try and attack public health on what kills the most people, suicide's not at the top of the list. Uh, it's about even with traffic fatalities um, and a few other things. But it's one of those things that's just so devastating, and particularly when it happens to young people. But one of the surprising takeaways from yesterday's meeting was, The older you are, the more chance you have of committing suicide. If you're a man, it it continues to increase as you age and for men, it doesn't taper off for women. Once they get past age 65, there's a slight decrease in your chances of committing suicide, which just shows that, you know, women, you know, grow wiser with age, whereas us us men just can't seem to get it. Um, (laughs) but it, it, The other big takeaway is you are three times more likely to commit suicide as a man than you are as a woman. It's just, it's really, um, particularly older adult men are three times more likely than all the rest of the population, not just women, but the whole population. And one in four of the suicides in Lane County involved veterans. One in four of the suicides in Lane County involved people that were having problems with alcohol. You know, when you think about some of those, those statistics, you know, we're losing our veterans to suicide. Uh, alcohol is still a major driver in that issue. Everyone wants to talk about opiate addictions and legalization of marijuana and all that. And good old alcohol, it's been around forever, is still um, a major driver of this epidemic here in lane county so it was a really enlightening report but a very sobering report and uh one of the reasons why i kind of told people if you want don't want to be depressed listening to bo's nose show today you might want to call in and suggest a a more cheerful topic um so anything you want to talk about a couple other things you know we, we we might want to talk about today um Portland's looking at a a gross receipts tax uh, possibly to support renewable energy projects and job training. Um, There also is a complaint by the union um, representing the uh, immigration and customs enforcement employees in the Portland office there against the mayor for Um, basically violating the 14th Amendment and providing uh, equal treatment under the law of all citizens in the fact that he actually publicly said he wasn't going to have the police respond to a protest involving the ICE offices there, that he was going to leave it to the federal government to handle. And uh, some of the calls from ICE employees about issues with protesters were actually uh, ignored or claimed to be ignored. And he's actually counterclaimed that they didn't work they, they, they were responded to so we'll see where that goes we can talk about those and several other things here on the Bose nose show but i want to get back to this whole um suicide report because that's really um one of the things we do as a board of commissioners in oregon is we are also tasked to be the board of health it's a mandated function of counties that we have a public health department. And so as part of public health, we're trying to do disease prevention, track communicable diseases and um, generally try and improve the public health. So one of the, the concerns is suicide. and it was really kind of um surprising to understand i always understood oregon had a slightly higher suicide rate than country but lane county actually is um ahead of the oregon average um, when you think about suicide deaths per um 100,000 people as one of the ways they track it and it's really um yeah there's not a real <clears throat> a, a real good explanation for why we're a leader in that. I've heard, um, you know, various theories around how long and gray our winters are, might be a driver towards that. Um, some of the impacts of the uh, economics here, uh, post um, the, the timber um, crash of the 80s and, and how the rural economies here um, fell apart and how that might have led, and then the subsequent um, uh, drug abuse and all that that came into some of those rural areas. In fact, that's where the meth epidemic actually started was in rural Oregon uh, um, with after the uh, timber uh, fell apart in the 80s, you know, and how that might have led to to increased suicide. And it, it just, you know, it might have explained some of it a few years back, but it's kind of, you know, Oregon's economy is doing pretty well right now. <clears throat> you know, we're, we're having really amazing job growth. Um, so, I, you know, that's hard for me to explain that way. Of course, our housing crisis is really tough on people. So I'm just, you know, I, I'm sort of at a loss is why is Oregon ahead of the rest of the country? And then why is Lane County ahead of Oregon? suicide rate and then the really startling thing that I was not aware of um, was statistics within Lane County the city that has the highest suicide rate after even being statistically adjusted for the age of population so that that, that wouldn't skew things is the city of Florence it was more than double the the average suicide rate of Lane County which is already above everybody else, and the next two hot spots um, that are were about maybe one point one and a third to one and a half times more than than the average were Junction City and Cottage Grove. And I, I just and I'm, I'm looking at those three cities and going, you know, what's in common between those that would that would create a higher than normal um, amount of suicides and you know it was it i can't quite figure it out um you know because the florence data was adjusted for population so you can't say it's a retirement community it has a lot of older men that have a higher rate of suicide the statistics were adjusted for that so why is florence you know and then it gets back to well maybe it is weather driven You know, Florence does tend to be much. You know, the coast gets more rain than the valley. But then, how do you explain Junction City and Cottage Grove? You know, and and the difference between them and say Benita, you know, or um, you know Eugene or Springfield, those those incorporated cities where you can track the death rates there within the city boundaries. It was just those three small cities. That seem to stand out statistically, so you know it raises a lot of questions. That you know, if we can answer, we may be able to to match prevention strategies to why. You know, why is Florence higher, and then what can we do maybe to um, mitigate for some of those reasons? Um, And it was it was a really interesting discussion. It was interesting discussion the youth aspect of it which really isn't a large number but is so devastating when it does happen and the issue about youth suicide is it tends to create um, clusters if there's one youth suicide in a, in a school or in a, a neighborhood or an area it tends to lead to additional ones that follow up um, which was one of the things we discussed was the, the you know, if you do see you know a youth suicide, it's really important to have follow-on in that community um, with uh, you know assistance and education for people looking for signs and stuff like that because it does tend to be uh, a copycat sort of thing uh, with youth in particular. It does not so much with adults. So that was. Um, you know, an interesting aspect of the topic yesterday. Um, and, and some of the stuff that we are doing around that, which was pretty interesting, our, um, Roger, our suicide, uh, uh, prevention specialist has actually been, um, training folks in, in recognition and actually training trainers to do that training. Um, and he's actually in one particular, um, event trained 16 people to go on and start training more people. And the idea is, you know, as you train the trainers, you actually can get a lot more people out there that are, uh, you know, better educated to recognize people that might be getting into that crisis mode. Um, It was rather interesting to learn that um, there's this, you know, the difference between having suicidal thoughts and and, and, um, intentions versus, the moment somebody actually turns to planning how they're actually going to carry it out generally from switching to planning mode to actually carrying out the act majority of people that's less than 10 minutes time so once somebody gets to that that portion that was a really interesting statistic um it's not true for all of it just a small majority uh looking at how suicides happen um of the ones that ended in death rather than, uh, attempts. This is the actual successful suicide attempts. Um, over 50%, 57% involved firearms. Uh, the rest, you know, was, uh, some attempt at hanging or asphyxiation and, um, and, um, some other methods took up the rest of the pie chart but you know the dominant obviously was firearms uh cutting cutting yourself was 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 a leading one also um or or overdosing I'm sorry uh was was a leading one so you know basically tempting either through taking uh, excess drugs or um asphyxiation were the two next big ones of about 20% each and then there's a bunch of smaller ones on there um which, you know, kind of makes sense because that's probably the most easiest, sure way of, of committing suicide um, and has a high success rate uh, and their firearms pretty readily available. But it speaks to the um, if you know somebody is in crisis and all that stuff about, you know, the ability to remove firearms and things that would make it easy um, because that 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 10 minute decision <laughs> that goes on. Um <clears throat> and getting past that it was an interesting statistic was people that attempted suicide unsuccessfully um, quite often never attempted to get was a, a you know, I think it was about 80% rate of people never attempt again because that attempt brought the the attention and treatment and self-awareness to to prevent that in the future so if you can kind of get people um, not to have the successful means around them, you know, in that person in crisis and, and, and intervene, they may never, you know, and once they have treatment and have been de- identified as suicidal, there may never be that suicide. So it's kind of a, really covered a lot of ground. It it took more than the hour we have here at the Bose Nose Show for that uh, agenda item to to go go in front of the board. Uh, and it was a very interesting discussion. Um, and you know, a hard discussion. I don't know, you know, there are many people out there that have had suicide touch their lives in some way. I know personally, um, I've had suicide, uh, touch my life several ways. And, uh, one of the interesting things they, they found out, um, they're suggesting that we we start a um, suicide death investigation kind of task force, a joint task force with the DA's office and several providers and all to look at each individual suicide uh, in Lane County. And one of the things that were other places that have done that, um, and I think it was either Salt Lake City or Denver that had something like that, they discovered an interesting thing in interviewing um, people that knew the the uh, person that had committed suicide and all that stuff that prior to the suicide a a major portion of those people that had pets had made attempts to give away their pets or find a home for their pets prior to their suicide attempt And, and I found that fascinating because One of the people I that I knew personally that ended up committing suicide um, didn't necessarily give away his pet, but he made sure that I would find his pet, and I would be the you know he knew I would take care of it and make sure it was taken care of. You know, you could tell he had planned that in his actions. That, That that's one of the you know people might be suicidal. But that that connection to their pet, they, they want to make sure, you know, if they're going to go through with this, you know, and they, they feel so depressed and so disconnected, they want to end their life, they still have that compassion for their pet, that they make that, you know, that last minute arrangement. So um, it's something we can all be mindful of if, you know, a friend of yours suddenly is, is for some seemingly no reason, uh, you know, they're not like, taking a job overseas where it'll be very difficult to get their pet through quarantine or something like that. And they're suddenly just like, I need to get rid of, you know, I need to find a home for my dog. Um, Do you know anybody or a rescue, you know? And and one of the things they did there was they educated veterinarians and the rescue intake people to look for um, unusual reasons why people were, were giving up pets and to try and, you know, then have the, you know, have those people maybe give a referral um, to a suicide crisis line or something like that. Um, So there's some interesting things that we may learn in those investigations. And I think we'll probably move forward with that, that forming that kind of a team task force here in Lane County um, to to look at look for those commonalities. uh, And maybe we'll be able to figure out why Florence has such a high suicide rate. And, and uh, look for things that might be precursors that would allow us to provide the interventions um, to get peace, people past those crises, and uh, you know, not have that 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 harm come to them and and to their families and friends. I know as as having um, you know been close to a couple suicides, you ask yourself constantly, what did I miss? You know, you know, what could I have done? Maybe that would have helped. Um, you know, that that doubt's always in your mind. Uh, so it's really, um, you know, it has a horrible impact. So and you really, you really want that ne- never to happen to anybody. You know, if you if you had somebody you know go through it, you know, have a, committing suicide, um, you never want to have anyone else have that happen to them. And it's really, um, whatever we can do to prevent that, even though it's not our leading cause of death in Lane County, it is a leading cause of of real um, stress, sorrow, and pain in our community. And particularly when you get into the youth side of things and how difficult that is for parents, uh, peers, siblings, and everyone else to deal with the fact that somebody has their life in front of them to, to, you know, think about they felt so bad that they chose to end it. Um, it's just really, really uh, hard on our community. So whatever we can do to kind of bring those rates down. You know, one of the interesting discussions we had, though, was why are men so much more likely? You know, what is it? And, and that's true nationally. I mean, we may be leading the country um, suicide rate. But the differential between men and women uh in suicide um is is a national trend. And is it something about the American culture of you know, men are just, you know, we're okay. You know, it's not okay for us to admit we're not okay. You ask a guy, how you doing? I'm great, I'm fine, you know, I'm okay. You know. Men, and and we're not supposed to ask for help, you know, you, you've you got to tough it out, man up, you know, all those things your dad told you when you're when you're a teenager uh, and, and your peers, you know, kind of reinforce and all that and, and our movies and and modern culture reinforce you, you just have to be this tough man um, is, is that is there something there. And one of the things I asked, and I didn't expect an immediate answer, I said, you know, if you want to write me an email later. Are there countries or cultures around the world where there isn't a gender differential in suicide? And and what what are those differences? You know, is that a place we need to start thinking about? Because it's interesting, you know, when you think about, and the statistics show it here in Lane County, the most common um, occupations, Suicide, and you know, obviously, think about this: this is the the male-dominated occupations are construction trades, and um, uh, like the gravel and and logging industries, um, you know, are have the highest rates of suicide here in Lane County. Um, one of the other areas that has a high rate of suicide are farmers. So you know, maybe that kind of leads to why uh, rural communities might have higher rates. Um, because you see more trades um, involved there. But it's it's uh, an interesting issue to look at. Not one of the most cheerful topics we ever took on in, in at the county commissioner's meetings. Um, but it was just you know, every commissioner was, you know, paying full attention. Um, and I think, you know, some of the information that was Given out by our, our staff uh, after looking at uh, over 15 years of statistics was really uh, enlightening. You know everything from how we're we're running ahead of the Oregon averages, national averages, to how we have hot spots in our in our even in our county in in Florence and Junction City and Cottage Grove, um, and then just you know what what can we do to try and, uh, change those things. And, you know, the task force, uh, looking at, you know, the looking back sort of things, so we can look for things that we can look forward with, um, really I think are, are going to be impactful. And I think there's other things we'll be moving forward with. It's probably not the last time the board of commissioners is going to be talking about such a, um, uh, Sober topic, as we as we discussed this week with so- suicide. We don't have to continue talking about such a sober topic. If there's something more cheerful on your mind, give us a call here at the Bose Nose Show at 646-721-9887. Just press 1 if you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Just press 1. And we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about on the Bose Nose Show and I think just to get on the lighter side here, we're going to get into our what were they thinking segment of the Bo's Nose show. So we'll, we're, we're going to you know, completely jump gears here and be, derail your um, train of thinking and all that stuff. And, and we're going to leave that sober topic behind. Let's talk about what were they thinking and I just have to wonder about the Eugene City Council and mayor. They just awarded the city manager, John Rees, a seven percent pay raise, and it's an annual raise. so that that's you know seven percent for in a single year. And it's not making up for a bunch of years or anything like that. And it brought his salary up to $235,735 per year, including his health insurance, PERS, time off, and everything else um, he gets. I don't know how much that adds up to, but that's just his salary, just, just shy of 236000 a year. And, and the, the what we're thinking part of it is, is that they wrote a contract that basically says that if he gets a certain um, average rating, by, by a numeric system, and the counselor is only allowed to give whole number of ratings that are based on you know um, sufficient and, and outstanding et cetera, but if his average gets over a certain amount, that he gets a 5% raise, plus he'll get whatever cost of living raise that the rest of the um, uh, non-represented staff got, which was 2% this last year. So he got the 5% plus 2% for a total of 7% raise. But that contract doesn't have a cap on it. So next year, you know, if they, you know, as they extend his contract, he'll be eligible for another possibly five plus COLA, 5% plus COLA raise where does it end? And I I, I say this because Lane County established a pay range for our county administrator. And the range has a top end, you know, basically, you know, and and so many, you know, as a bottom end and steps in between. And when um, we do our annual performance review, if he gets a successful review, which means, you know, anything better than, you know, as long as he's, you know, performing his job um, or better, um, he gets that next what they call a merit increase in step. Well, this year he's at the top step and we gave him an outstanding performance evaluation this year. Our our county administrator has done some awesome work in leading our county through the, our strategic plan and controlling cost and just doing some really great things. Lane County gets recognized nationally for many things everything from our our fuse project that we were doing to the things we managed to do to increase our bond rating to the highest it's ever been i mean steve's done steve Moker done some great work but he's on his top step so even though he got a great review he's not going to get a salary increase this year because we've established that there's there's a place we we can't go beyond unless we can see through a market analysis, that he needs to have his sec- the whole salary range moved, and uh, we don't do those market analyses every year because it's you know one it, it's time consuming and 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 staff consuming to, to go around and find out what every county administrator is being paid around around the state and and some of the other um, chief executive officers for other organizations. Um, but you know, he's basically topped out at, at his 190 some thousand, and here's John Rees getting another 15,000 up to 235,000. And next year, if he gets five percent of that, you know, it's going to magnify even more, it's going to be another, you know, like 17,000 percent raise. So, my what were they thinking is, is how could the city of Eugene write a contract that's so open-ended on the top end you know ultimately if they kept john Rees around for a while on geometric progression if he continued to get successful um you know uh review and reviews from the from the council you know that five percent you know it keeps getting bigger and bigger you know eventually he's going to be earning you know, half a million dollars or something like that as a city city administrator. I, I just, you know, where what were they thinking when they didn't put a top end on that? That they're constantly going to continue to give raises. You know, so that was one of my things. And second, what were you thinking this week? And I just have to to say, what was the court thinking in North Carolina when they awarded eight? Point eight million dollars to a husband from the guy that um, took his wife from him and a very old antiquated piece of legislation that's left in only a few states in this country in North Carolina you can actually sue somebody for damages for stealing your wife quote unquote Um, so this guy basically um, this Jilted husband managed to get $8.8 million out of his wife's um, new husband <laughs> to be, I think, or something uh, through the courts. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> uh, how did they calculate that value? Was that based on, you know, uh, you know the, the, how much the wife might have earned in the relationship over the time of the marriage if it had stayed for life? You know, is there is there any guarantee nowadays that, that a marriage will even stay together, even if there isn't cheating on the part of the wife or somebody to sue? You know, how they assign that value. You know, what were they thinking when they said eight point eight million dollars, that's what you ought to get for for your you know, from your wife's lover. <laughs> what was that judge thinking? Um so that's that's the lighter side of the Bose Nose Show today. Although I don't know if the city manager one's too light, um, but it kind of brings to kind of a, a juxtaposition in, in the Lane County way of doing things and maybe the city of Eugene way of doing things. Um, a little bit of a difference, uh, and and only about a week apart in the news was you know we we had our annual performance evaluation for the county administrator a couple of weeks ago. No pay raise. A couple weeks later, city council gives their city manager a, a similar performance review. In fact, it was probably not as praiseworthy because there was actually councilors that didn't rate him as highly, um, and uh, he gets a seven percent over fifteen thousand dollar raise to two hundred and thirty six thousand dollars a year. And mind you the budget and number of employees for both organizations are almost a dead match as far as dollar value and number of employees goes. So um, just kind of put that one in in your, in your pipe and smoke it for a little while and see what you think is, is John Reese doing that great of a job at 7% and you yourself, have you gotten a seven percent raise uh, as an annual raise in the last several years?
0: Is that crickets I hear out there?
1: <laughs> I think it might be. <laughs> so again, if you want to get in on the Bose Bo's No Show, give us a call here at six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven. Just press one, and even if it's just a call in, give you your version of what were they thinking? Because I'm sure there's something. On your mind, what were they thinking out there? Um, we're always open to suggestions, and and you know you can get a hold of us in multiple ways. You can reach us on Facebook at um, KRBN Internet News Talk Radio on our Facebook page. You can get us uh, on um, email talk at KRBN. Uh, Sorry, I'm, I'm, I've lost that one.
0: In okay, radio.net.
1: Radio.net, yeah. I, I didn't couldn't remember if there was news talk in that one or not. <laughs> talk at Um for our email. And uh, you always can give us a call here, and we're open to suggestions for next week's What Were They Thinking? If you have a uh, run across something midweek, Drop us a Facebook message or something like that, or comment on Facebook, and uh, we'll we'll highlight what were they thinking next week. Uh, but we can get to some other things here that have been in the news. And I just you know want to note one thing, uh, Robin, my producer and uh, screener uh, here on the Bo's Nose show. You know, this is a a non-paying gig when she produces my shows, and I really have to appreciate it for her. She has a regular job, and that job's with a great organization uh, known as the Pearl Pearl Buck Center. Um, And she actually got some good news there where the state of Oregon actually gave them a one-year extension on um, this whole issue of closed workshops. So uh, it's good news for some of their clientele that that function better in that environment than trying to be mainstreamed. And um, it's, it's good news uh, for that organization that does such great work uh, with the, uh, uh, you know, mentally uh, uh, disabled folks in our community. Uh, They're they're just really, um, they do great work. And I I just want to say, you know, that, you know, Want, want some good news, some cheerful news on the Boz Nose Show? Pearl Buck is going to survive for at least another year.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll probably still be around a little bit longer. But speaking of, by the way, we're looking for job developers. So if you're looking for part time work or flexible work, uh, go to pearlbuckcenter.com and check out our uh, Help Wanted page. And if you know somebody or if you yourself, um, might be interested in a job like that go check it out
1: yeah it's it's
0: you know really
1: um great work working around that clientele because they're such a um a unique and, and upbeat uh community you know it's uh really um they're a lot of fun <laughs> they can they can have they can have their problems and be aggravating at times but they really can be they're really a lot of fun and they kind of have a, a way of looking at life that's a little bit different uh, than, than everybody else.
0: So that's a good, good piece we of get it. into uh, what a sheltered workshop is, real quick, and kind of explain briefly what's going on with that or just kind of? Sure. We
1: actually did a, uh, and, and you'd have to go back into the archives of the Bose Nose Show, which are available on our, our uh, the KRBN Internet News Talk. Uh, blog talk radio site you can get to our, our archive shows but we spent an entire show talking with Jan Aho who was a former executive director of Pearl Buck about um, the issue of closed workshops but go ahead Robin explain to the, to the listeners out there that may have missed that show that was more than a year ago about closed workshops.
0: Uh, in a nutshell basically it allows people with uh, various disabilities the ability to work at their own pace. I mean, if they want to sit all day and do nothing, or, or whatever. And how much they make is up to them. But it usually works out less than minimum wage. Part of a, uh, I don't know if it's state or federal. Anyways, it's, it's government funded, type of stuff. And the advantages to, uh, we call them our clients, is that a lot of these people, they, they live in homes or group homes or some, some type of living. And this isn't only a way to gain a skill, but it's also a way that it, it's kind of like when you work at a job for a long time and the, the other employees become your family. And that's what happens here. Well, anyways, what happened is that there's always one or two people that ruin it for everybody, but apparently not, I'm not sure where it happened. But there was a somebody taking advantage of that, and there was a lawsuit claiming that it was slave labor. And so, be, the results of the lawsuit is putting an end to sheltered workshops. And coming up in September was the deadline that they had to be closed. And we got a variance, uh, conditional variance, for another year. Um, and the sad thing about that is that uh you know what's going to happen to our clients.
1: Yeah. Yeah, cuz there there one of the things um you know this is all about trying to mainstream and, and not um segregate some of this clientele too. It's not just about the slave labor aspect, it's also about um some concerns where people were setting up these closed workshops for um you know in, in this, in Pearl Buck's case, it's you know the, the um, this you know mentally disabled um, folks. Uh, in other places, it might be some kind of physical disability or, or something. But it, it's um, that there's this claim, there's this thought that putting these people around other regular people is better for them than putting them around other people with similar disabilities and, and all that. And in some cases, these folks actually, um, it's freeing in some ways not to have to, you know, when they go to these um, mainstreaming, a lot of times they have to have a helper worker with them
0: right. uh,
1: to, you know, assist uh, in some of their duties and, and, you know, help with some of their uh, behavior issues and all that. But they have to, they have to try and behave normal you know, uh, you know for these folks and and you know fit in and not disrupt the business um you know and and chase customers off or 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 whatever be be a drag on the business and the closed workshops offer an opportunity for these folks to be themselves and and, and it was one of the takeaways i got um when i was speaking to one of the clients of pearl buck um how much at a fundraiser that she happened to be at um, how much she enjoyed coming to work as she put it. Uh, Cause for them, it's going to work when they come to this, this closed workshop environment. Cause she could be, I, I, I can be me was what she said. And, and, you know, with this one particular one, you know, it wasn't about five minutes later, she was kind of dancing around and breaking in song.
0: Uh, yeah. Which,
1: you know, in the closed workshop environment is not interruptive. But if they're trying to work the lobby of a restaurant or something like that, and they're supposed to be sweeping up the lobby and suddenly break out into a loud boisterous song or just decide they're gonna, something struck them funny and they scream and laugh at at the top of their lungs. um, That can be really disconcerting (laughs) in in a different environment. Whereas in that closed workshop environment, it doesn't really, no one even even reacts because it's an expected thing to happen there. Um, so it's kind of, it's very um, relaxing for the clientele versus the mainstreaming environment. And for some of them, it's actually a better situation. And that decision around closed workshops did little to recognize that. I think there was, people taking advantage of closed workshops and there were maybe too many of them and not enough mainstreaming. There wasn't a balance. It's, it's kind of one of those things where the pendulum swung too far it, you know, which we've seen government has a tendency to do that. And, and courts uh, do that in their decisions. Um, you know, we've seen that, um, you know, there was a time when we were institutionalizing folks with mental illness, and treating them very poorly in our society, like second class citizens, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest stuff. But now it's so hard to actually forcibly institutionalize somebody that we have people on the streets now that should never be out on the street because they've got such a, a chronic and persistent mental health issues. But they have to self commit because the way we change the laws to prevent the one flew over the cuckoo's nest issues and the pendulum swung too far there. So it's kind of, and we're starting to push the pendulum back a little bit. So hopefully we can get those things kind of nice and balanced and dead center. And, and I'm hoping this one year, um, extension for Pearl Buck on their closed workshop gives the state some time and, and maybe the federal government also, um, to think about how to deal with closed workshops in a balanced approach and not just a, they're a horrible thing and they all must end.
0: Exactly. And we're, we're working on developing new programs and because one thing we are committed to is that we're not going to abandon our clients no matter what. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. They're, you know, they, they can be such wonderful, joyful people. Um and it's kind of funny that that um us us supposedly fully mentally capable people can't seem to find joy sometimes. <laughs> like they do. And that's kinda of what's neat to be around them. So that folks that are interested in a job there at Pearl Buck Center, like you said, head for your wet for the Pearl Buck website.
0: Yeah, PearlBuckcenter dot com and check out the help wanted section of it, or the jobs section of it.
1: Great. Well that that's kind of our one of our good news pieces of the Bose Nose Show today to kind of balance the first half hour where we talked about suicide. And we can talk about whatever you want to talk about here on the Bose Nose show. Just call us at six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven. Just press one if you want to get in on the conversation. Wanna kinda of shift gears a little bit and look north to that that gleaming city on the Columbia River that tends to steer the direction of the entire state of Oregon.
0: You don't mean.
1: Whether we want it to or not.
0: You, you, you don't mean. <laughs>
1: Portland. Portland. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there have been a couple things going on in Portland. Um, you know, back in May, the mayor proposed, you know, a a fifteen point three million dollar increase on business taxes, which was about a thirteen percent on what they already get um, out of that. And this is in the background that Portland's tax collections set a all-time record this last year. He wanted another fifteen point three million, and uh, I think he got that through the budget process. I, I, I was trying to. to find out if it actually had passed but it was his proposal in May and now there's talk of a new tax in Portland and this would be a 1% tax on quote unquote large retailers as they, as they put it and uh, they define large retailers as having global sales over $1 billion or in-city sales of over a half million dollars um, I, you know, and that's kind of, in, yeah, it doesn't take much to hit a half million. So basically all retailers are <laughs> large, larger retailers that aren't just mom and pops. Um, but a 1% tax and it's, and they're want to have it like measure 97 was set up as a gross receipts tax. Doesn't matter if your business made a profit. It's just purely on the gross revenue of the business. 1%. And they're looking, um, thinking it's going to make them somewhere between uh, 23 and $51 million a year. And there may be some businesses that will immediately be hit with, with tax bills in the millions of dollars out of this. Um, and they're going to use that tax for clean energy and justice, they call it, which is going to basically do green energy projects and job training
0: you know, and you all I can
1: think yeah. of is if I was a business in Portland I'd be looking for the exits
0: man well you know if you take a tandem bike because you're a tandem bike rider and put it you might be able to get enough torque to put a big trigger on it to haul goods around There, you, there's your green stuff
1: yeah yeah there we go um, <laughs> yeah I just you know you know On top of one business tax increase, they're proposing a whole new business tax. Of course, they, you know, right now it's just a draft and all that stuff, and everyone's going to say that, but still, that's kind of the mindset in Portland. You know, is they're tax on top of tax on top of tax, you know, construction excise taxes to support low income housing, you know, new business taxes because even though they have record revenues, they're having to make budget cuts in Portland because. Their costs are going up so fast. Uh, you know, think about maybe controlling things like your city manager's salaries. No, <laughs> um, it, it just it it's just kind of amazing to me. But I want to you know for those that might be listening in the Portland area and have a business, Lane County will welcome you.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Think about moving south. Because <laughs> uh, I can't imagine, you know, what, what that's like to be faced with all that. You know, there's already enough in the background. I mean, we had the minimum wage went up to 1075 here in the Lane County area. I think it actually went up higher in Portland. I think it's 1150 in Portland now. Um, so, you know, not only is, you know, their minimum wage increases, they, we've got this new um uh, sick leave, statewide policy that's gone in place, everywhere we turn, they're trying to get more and more um, out of businesses that affects their bottom line. And with the gross receipts tax, it's even if they don't have a, a positive bottom line. You know, if they've lost money in that year, they're still paying that 1% on the gross receipts. Uh, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, and speaking of making sense, you know, Portland's also been in the news and, you know, Mayor Wheeler proposed the increase in the business tax. He was also in the news because, and, and this is kind of surprising because Portland is known as a public employee union friendly city. Uh, a public employee union is now mad at the mayor and that's the union for the, uh, immigration and customs enforcement offices out up there in Portland that had the uh, protest going up there where uh, the employees trying to get in and out of the building were being physically um, assaulted in some cases as they tried to get in and out of the building by the protesters. And the uh, mayor of Portland basically issued a statement saying he was not going to have Portland police involved in controlling that um, situation where they were blockading the building uh, that it was the federal government's issue to resolve. Um, And the union, and I believe that rightly doing so, basically issued a statement saying that they were um, basically creating a new class of citizen called employees of ICE that didn't have equal access justice under the law as defined in the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution um, because the mayor was denying police protection for those employees and the mayor issued a statement you know 24 hours later saying that's not true you know we would respond and all that stuff but I I remember in the news very clearly he was saying he was not going to send city Uh, spend city resources controlling that protest and it kind of came home to me a little bit because I kind of felt the same way. I don't know if people remember during some of the Occupy times a few years back that there was a a homeless camp set up in front of the county building, on County property inside the city of Eugene city limits and The city of Eugene refused to take police action and assist in um, controlling that situation on county property,
0: claiming
1: that it was the sheriff's duty to do so, even though the sheriff doesn't respond to a crime on county property there. And if it was a private institution that had that issue, they would respond to it. Um, So it was kind of a, you know a somewhat similar situation. And at the time I felt really, um, you know, like I was being treated as a, as a different class of citizen only because we were the County could they, you know, try and make that claim that it was the sheriff's responsibility, which it's not because as we received um, threats this last year um, on, on the, on some of our staff and the commissioners uh, concerning the aerial spray ban initiative, um, uh, threats of violence. It wasn't the, the, the sheriff's office that was given that case and, and, uh, and jurisdiction. It was given to the city of Eugene's police department because the actual crime was committed in Eugene even though we received the threat letter at our offices, which are Lane County offices, the Lane County offices are located within the jurisdiction of the city of Eugene and the crime was investigated by EPD. And when we were asking for some help with the, with the uh, protest that was going on in Long in, County property and in other cases when they started moving it around to other county properties, Basically, the city of Eugene, just about as reluctant and and unhelpful as Mayor Wheeler has been in the uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement issue up there in Portland. And I I actually sympathize with the folks uh, that are working in that building and have had to deal with that and the, the feeling of abandonment with the jurisdiction that should be in charge of controlling that situation. Um, you know, where you know I couldn't use the, the the main doors to our offices for almost a month uh there in the city of Eugene uh you know the issues that the ice employees were having getting to and from their work um just it it's you know surprising to me that a a city can um choose to do um to to decide you know because we sort of agree and, 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 and we, we like the, uh, the message or whatever of the protesters, we're not going to step in there and we're going to use some lame excuse that it's actually not their jurisdiction and somebody else should be handling it. Um, it doesn't work and it's not true. Um, that should have been handled by Portland City Police. And it should have been handled right away as soon as it became apparent that there was actual crimes happening. There's one thing about doing speech. And then there's a second thing about actually inhibiting people's ability to access their place of work. Um, you know, and in some cases, there is pushing and shoving, which is which as soon as you touch somebody is assault. Um, there was crimes happening. And those folks up there, you know, I don't care if you don't like who they work for and all that stuff, they deserve, they deserve the right of protection against assault just as much as anybody else. I mean, I'd say the same thing about, you know, somebody working, you know, in an attorney's office, as much as people don't like attorneys, <laughs> you know, I'll pick on the lawyers, Um You know, we all tell lawyer jokes and everything else, but we don't want the lawyers getting assaulted either. Uh, I'm hearing Robin start, start my, uh, out outro music there a little bit. Must mean it must be getting close to an hour here on the Bose nose show. It's amazing how fast it goes by. Uh, hopefully you'll get to listen to us next week on the Bose nose show. We'll be back, have all sorts of interesting things to talk about. Uh, something I didn't get to today is we have a parks master plan meeting in Florence tomorrow night 530 Saislaw so Valley fired uh, headquarters there on highway 101 hope to see everybody there thank you for listening to Bose nose show today we'll talk to you next week have a great week